Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, and welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey Blackburn, your host. Joining me, my co-host, Emily Schiltz. Hey, guys. Emily, how are you? Good. You're good? Again? <laughs> good. Gucci. 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 Emily, I don't know if you've heard this like new craze about the Enneagram. Yes. Do you know about this? I do know about it. Of course yeah. you know about it because we sat down as a staff and we figured out our Enneagrams right. one day while we were eating pizza. Staff fun day. Staff fun day. That's what we do on staff fun day. When your boss is an Enneagram three. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> when he's a high achiever and he's always trying to figure out the next accomplishment, he goes, hey guys, staff fun day. Let's sit down together and let's figure out our personality traits. Yep. So we did. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. It and was fun. What are, Do you remember what you are? I am. I am a nine wing one. A nine wing one. Yes. What is that? Explain that a little bit. Um, it's called the peacemaker. Okay. So um, nine, I think in general, is like the peacemaker. Okay. So they're, they're always looking to... Um, not have conflict and um, help people out a lot and yeah. do whatever it takes to just kind of avoid tension. Yeah. Um, but the the one in me, so my little wing over yeah. here, means that I'm not like a true nine. Okay. Means that I have like a little bit of an additional personality. Yep. Um, like kind of balances me out to be like organized. I was going to say, one's like the perfectionist and the... Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow. So, so if you don't know about the Enneagram, it is the most ancient personality testing, like personality description or, yeah. you know, all-encompassing like personality it's traits. holistic, right? It is very holistic. Mm -hmm. And so I guess all of the other personality tests um, flow from it. So it's super old, but it's like cycling back around and becoming really popular now. Yeah. So like Myers-Briggs, DISC, all of those other personality tests, they kind of come out of the philosophies of the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. So Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Yes. And if you're, especially if you're like a leader of an organization, it's super helpful to know what the people that you are around, you're doing life with, that you're, you know, serving alongside what they are, because mm -hmm. you know how they respond. Yeah. Like the thing I love about the Enneagram is that it tells you your, your greatest fears and like your deepest motivations. Yep. And how you react when you're in stress. Uh, yeah. And on the opposite hand, how you react in a season of growth. Yeah, you're trending when you're grow when you're mm -hmm. in a season of growth. Yep. And when you're healthy. Yeah. And it's like really, really cool. And then it also does like compatibility stuff. Yep. So like, if you're a three, you can find out how compatible you are with like a seven or with like a five or something. It's right. just a really cool. So I'm a three. Mm -hmm. I'm a three wing four. Okay. Which a three is the high achiever, but you could have never guessed that. Never. Not not one time. It was so funny. We read all the descriptions and <laughs> every one of the staff was like, well, we know Davey. He's a three. Yeah, three. <laughs> like, that was easy, you know. Um, but it's like the high achiever, the like overachiever. Um, but it taught me a lot about my motivations. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was, you know, one of the hard things, like one of the things about a three wing four especially is their deepest fear is to like slip away into nothingness having not made a difference. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what, like even yeah. reading that, I was like, oh, that terrifies me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so um, it's really fascinating because it really digs into kind of who you are and tells you like what your tendencies are when you're unhealthy. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about the Enneagram is that it points out um, what your weaknesses are, mm -hmm. but um, really highlights the fact that you wouldn't have a lot of your strengths yeah. if you didn't have your weaknesses. Yeah. And so it almost makes you appreciate the things you're not very good at yep. um, because you know that like... 
you know, maybe I wouldn't be as personable right. um, if I didn't have these other weaknesses. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is not completely random because, <laughs> you know, we're, we're doing part two of the interview with Jamel McGee and Andrew Collins. Mm-hmm. And when I met Andrew specifically, I like, it took me five minutes to say, bro, you're an Enneagram three. Like knew it to a T, knew it exactly. And I knew it while I was sitting there reading the book. So I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's me. I felt like I was reading a book about me. But most importantly, like he was being really vulnerable about the things he struggles with. Mm. And he was like, this is the dark side of my personality. And this is, you know, I was trying to do image management and I was trying to, and I really had to just let the Lord open up everything inside of me and confess that and reveal that to everybody. And so we, we were talking about that the Sunday that I had them at the church. Okay. And we were backstage talking about Enneagram. It was so funny because Andrew was like all geeked out over the Enneagram, which most threes are. <laughs> and Jamel was like, whatever. And I'm like, well, that's because your Enneagram is, you know. So anyway, mm. it was just fun. But I'm excited about part two of this interview. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, Where we, we just... left off was just like a like it was a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. Yep. So like I don't really, really even want to tease it out at all. No. I think we should just go into let's it. Let's just go. Yeah, let's listen to part two. Hey, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm here with part two of the interview with Jamel and Andrew, and i um, excited for you to hear the rest of this. We left off, uh, let me summarize, we left off at the place where um, Jamel and Andrew come to an altercation in the middle of Broadway Park after both had served years in federal prison. Jamel, because Andrew put him away by falsifying documents. Um, Andrew, because he got caught doing that, finally came clean. He's getting put into prison as Jamel's leaving. They both have now served their sentences. They are uh, winding up in an altercation at Broadway Park, Broadway Park, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. And um, in the last podcast, we talked about this moment of letting it go, this handshake moment. But there was so much more involved with that mm. because the story continues to go on where there's not just forgiveness extended there. There's not just apology, but there's reconciliation that happens so one of you guys tell me kind of from there, what began to happen to bring about this brotherhood that I'm seeing in front of me right now? <laughs> yeah. So it was four years after the moment in the park, uh, I was working for a nonprofit called Mosaic CCDA, Christian Community Development Association. Mm-hmm. So started by one church, a bunch of churches got involved and the whole heartbeat was to bring job opportunities to Benton Harbor citizens. And the way we did that was through social enterprises, a uh, cafe uh, with a bookstore attached to it, a resale store, and then a full-scale lawn care company. Mm. And then uh, another part of that, so that was the umbrella, was the Mosaic CCDA. Then under the umbrella, you had these social enterprises. Uh, I got to the, the privilege of running the cafe, which was on Main Street in Benton Harbor. Still yeah. feel like this is the call on my life to be back in Benton Harbor. Uh, and, and then one of the other offshoots from the CCDA was uh, Jobs for Life, which is a national program that we had adopted. And, and the whole point of, of Jobs for Life is that people will come in and they'll learn like hard and soft skills, interview mm. techniques, um, on-the-job training with one of our social enterprises if, if yeah. they weren't quite ready for the real world. Right. Uh, and then there was also a network of employers who would hire from that pool. It was a pipeline to employment. Okay. 
Uh, and then they every day during class, you'd get a gospel-centered message, um, and then everybody got a mentor. Yeah. And that's where God kind of wrote this crazy chapter in our story is, you know, I'm working at the cafe one day, probably three years into uh, my, my time at Mosaic, right. and uh, uh, the Jobs for Life director comes down and says, there's this guy in my class that God will just not stop this burden. Like, God is just burdening me that you need to mentor this man. Mm. And I said, okay. And she said, do you know Zuki? And I said, you know, that name just sounds so familiar, but I don't think I know him personally. And I had heard about Zuki through Mm -hmm, other people mm -hmm. at Jobs for Life. My boss, the executive director, had come back the first day of the training. And I said, how was class this semester? And he said, I think it'll be a pretty good class. But there's this one guy, Zuki, (laughs) who he goes by Zuki who he just sits with his arms crossed and he's got his hat pulled down low. And I just, he don't, he just seems so rough. Like, so, so like his, such a hard exterior. I don't think he's going to make it. (laughs) So then she asked me to mentor this guy and I'm thinking, okay, you know, that's cool. And that's what my original thought was is, that they're asking me to do it because nobody else wants to be his right, mentor because right. he's this hard case, you know? Yep. And, uh, so You'll I, get through to him. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I thought they were like, who cares if he gets oh. through to him? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I said, you know, you know my history because Miss Princella right. did know my history. I shared that with everybody. I said, you know what I've done in this city. It's a small city. You'll have to ask him because my thought was, I've probably affected his family somehow. somehow. Some sort of cousin somewhere right. has been affected by Andrew Collins. So I said, you have to go across the street and talk to Zuki. Mm. So uh, Zuki is sitting in the studio here with us. Uh, <laughs> Hi. Hey, welcome, Zuki. Oh, it's I'm Jamel. Here. Oh, it's Jamel. <laughs> yeah, not a different person, same person. So she walks across the street and has this conversation with Zuki. She said, hey, Jamel, we finally got your mentor. Um, God has laid on my heart for you two guys to be mentor, mentee. Um, you can change him at any given time you want. Um, we understand he's done some things in the city of Ben Harbor, and I'm like, wait a minute, Miss P, wait a minute, let's get on with it. Who is it already? And she was like, Andrew Collins, and I was, no way, that's not. <laughs> what you remembered happen. my name? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, how could she even be saying that? Like, like, but I know that she didn't know. Yeah. Um, the story. Nobody in the class knew. Um, what was going on? Cause I didn't talk. Yeah. I wasn't talking to nobody. And um, when she when I said no, I she walked on up to the front. You know, she was like, "Okay, we'll get you somebody else." Mm-hmm. And before she got all the way up to the front, I was I stopped her and I was like, "Hey, Miss P, um, could you give me a second on that? I need hmm. to pray on that for a second. And she was like, "Sure." And I did that because that was my decision. Mm-hmm. You know, and all my decisions weren't so great, mm-hmm. so I I needed to pray on it yeah. and make sure that this was. Um, the right decision. If Make it was sure still no, yeah, yeah. If it was still no, then I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, when I prayed and opened my eyes, my book was there, and it was a, a a mountain written in words and two figures on the side of it. One was pulling the other one up. Wow! It was just that was just so evident to me. Like this is what God wants. Wow! This is what He happened. This is what He wants to happen. So I told Miss P that, like, yeah, I think God wants this to happen. So I'm accepting Him as my mentor. And she was happy. She was like, whoa, wow, okay, great. And um, he ready right now. And I was like, <laughs> I ain't ready, Miss P. <laughs> I need a little bit more time than right now. Right. Um, and she's probably so confused because she still yeah, has no idea the she, gravity of what's just happened. She had no idea. Wow. I don't think they found out until the benefit. 
Wow. Yeah, I think it was leading into that. Yeah, it was, they knew they they started getting the little bits and pieces uh-huh. of it, you know, while we was working there. But they really got it when we uh, we spoke at our benefit. Yeah, for yeah. Um, Mosaic. Okay, so you agree? You're yeah. like, okay, and I'll, I'll see him. And then then what happened from there? I go <laughs> yeah. across the street. So it was like an hour and a half after I uh, had talked to Miss Princella. And he comes across the street, and I said, hey, man, have a seat. I used to be a police officer, city of Benton Harbor. I used to do these awful things in the city. Like, I've said this to a lot of people before. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just wanted to get it out there from the beginning. There is a past for me, and if I've ever harmed you or your family, let's just talk about it now because I might owe you an apology. Mm. And as I'm going through the standard template, he's just, like, smiling at me. You know? <laughs> I'm thinking, like, dude, I am trying my hardest to be serious in this mm-hmm. moment. Like, what is so funny, right? And finally, I asked him, I said, what are you smiling about? What is so funny? And he said, bro, we already had this talk. Wow. And I said, we did. He said, yeah, Broadway Park. Hmm. And now I'm brought back to that angry. Now, now to give me a little bit of credit, uh, I'm very good with faces. So, yep, yep. Uh, But in, in the park that day, he had a clean-shaven face, and, and he had braids down to his mm-hmm. shoulders. Mm-hmm. And this day in Mosaic, he had a bald head, and, and he had a beard had a that beard. had braids in it. Oh, like, wow. It was a very intricate okay. braiding of okay. his beard. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, and you had been, <sighs> you know, and, and you discussed more of this in the book, but you had been kind of living like, like homeless on the streets a little bit, Jamel. And so you had lost some weight and just looked different (laughs) than the first time that, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so he says, uh, so yeah. So I said, what's so funny? And he said, we already had this talk. Wow. And I said, what? And he said, Broadway park. And I was, like I said, brought back to that angry dude. And I was like, Oh shh. Dude, right? You know, I'm sanctified now, and I can't say those other words. And uh, and I'm thinking, this dude. I started. I actually I looked around, like how many uh, customers are in here? Because mm. I was like, this dude, like he set me up good. Like this is about mm. to happen, you know. And uh, but I also felt like God had given me a second chance to apologize. Yeah. Because I felt like the first time was such a failure, so I just started apologizing. I'm so sorry, man. Right. And, and it was Jamel has shown me so many times in our in our friendship, like what Jesus looks like. Mm. And he was almost offended that I kept apologizing. And I wonder how many times God's like that. Like wow. we keep saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry I messed up. And God's like, hey, hey, it's over. Wow. It's forgiven. I told you it's forgiven, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's how Jamel was with me. He was just like, dude, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's forgiven. You, you, you said you were sorry in the park and you meant it. I know you did. Wow. Let it go. You know? That's like, awesome. Wow. Using the words for me that God used for him. Yeah. And I just said, uh, I said, man, this, can we do this? This mm-hmm. mentor thing? And he he smiled. He said, I think God wants us to. And I had no clue. He had just had that prayer where God told him, I want you to do this, you know? And I said, well, can we pray together? Not knowing that Jamel likes prayer. I'm still wondering (laughs) what is his faith walk, right? you know? So I asked, can we pray? And he's already prayed, you know? (laughs) And uh, and I just prayed, you know, we prayed together that God would bless our friendship. Mm. And he had to go to an appointment. So he left and we set up a a weekly meeting after that. We were going to start meeting every week uh, with his mentor thing. So he left and went to his appointment. And I went in the back and I walked past an employee like with tears in my eyes. And she was like, Drew, what's wrong? And I just started, I lost it. And the first thing I said was, I sent that man to prison for 10 years. Wow. And she was like, what? And she looked out, tried to see who it was. And he was already gone. And and I just wept and wept and wept because I couldn't believe that God had just offered that opportunity, right? So then we met the next week, and uh, that same employee that was asking me what was wrong, she had to leave to move down here to Indianapolis mm. to start a job. So we had a hole in our, in our, in our squad. Yeah. So I said, hey, man, you need a job. We need an employee. Do you want to start working? He's like, yeah, man, of course I want to start working. So he started working at the cafe, and it was just uh, 
uh, again, we just saw God working not just to not just to uh, uh, not just to bring a, an apology and to bring forgiveness, but actually bring reconciliation. Yeah, to work together, even if it's just to work together to make a sandwich for somebody. Wow, like yeah. we're working in small confined spaces together, and there was a piece for me that was still a lot of guilt. Yeah, where I would just say to him over and over, like, "Are you sure we're okay?" and mm. And 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 honestly, there was a part of me that wanted him to admit that he was really wrong that day. Wow. There was a piece of me that was hoping Jamel would say, "Well, you know, I was dirty, you know, and mm. and you just caught me, and yeah, you lied, but I was there." I really wanted him to say that because yeah. that would have made me feel better, right? And I kept like asking details about. I'm like, "Didn't you have the keys on you that day?" He's like, "No." I didn't this. No, that's not how. It, so I ended up going to the department behind Jamel's back, and I bought the report because I needed to read wow. in my own. Because I remembered him coming out of the store. And when I got the report, the very first line uh, of the actual interaction with him and me was that I pulled up and saw him in the driver's seat. Mm, which was flat out wrong. And that I saw him make a furtive gesture towards yeah. the center council where I found the drugs. Wow. And I was like, I called my mom and I said, I, I, I locked up a completely innocent man. Because wow. up to that point, I knew what I had done was wrong. There was no doubt about it. But in every case, I can say to that person... Yeah, but you were dirty, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And for this, this was the this was the first time it hit me that your actions put away a completely innocent man. Wow, man. So you you guys talk about like the different components of reconciliation yeah. because you know I've taught this as a pastor before. I've taught the idea that like forgiveness and reconciliation they often go hand in hand, but they're not the same thing. So talk about that for a little bit. What, what are the components of re- actually being able to reconcile a relationship? The beginning part, you just you you oh yeah, you just gotta get <laughs> in there. Um, you just gotta get in there and do it. Um, I tell a lot of people um, that ask, "How do you forgive?" I just say, "Just do it." Mm. Um, you you let God in, and then you you do it. You allow Him to do it. He He'll make it. Um, man, He'll make the way. All you just gotta yeah. do is be willing to do the footwork. Um, and man, it'll evolve. Your your relationship um, will evolve, even with the person that you're forgiving. Mm. Um, it will it will evolve because not unforgiveness is you're hurting yourself. Wow, say, say that again. Unforgiveness is you're hurting yourself. Explain. Can you explain that? Um, can you unpack that a little bit? Th- those are our cancers. Those mm. are our. Um, our sicknesses, our illnesses, um, our headaches, the pain that we don't understand that just come out of nowhere. That is that unforgiveness. That's mm. those spirits. Um, we, we're hurting ourselves because it takes so much energy, mm. so much wow. of your thoughts and your, um, your body mass to, to process and harbor um, this, this, this hurt, this, this, unforgiving thing that you seem to can't unforgive when you got a cup that's full of water and just say the water is unforgiveness when you add more to it Hmm. what did it do it overspills onto everything else you become that hurt people hurt people um, syndrome that's what I call it it's a hurt people hurt people syndrome Hmm. and you don't want to get comfortable in that spot mm. because you you hurt everybody you come across. Wow. Some of them not intentionally, but
but you do it not knowing that you're doing it. So the forgiveness, man, is definitely necessary. You definitely got to come to that point. Um, and if you feel like it's hard, ask God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And like I've shared before, like we've met people, you know, <laughs> whenever we go speak somewhere, we get people that come up afterwards and they'll, they'll stand in my line, if you will, and they'll say, or we'll start with Jamel. They'll stand in Jamel's line and they'll say, man, so-and-so hurt me. How do I forgive? Hmm. And then they'll stand in my line and they'll say, I've done some messed up stuff, <laughs> but you have done some really messed up stuff. And it used to hurt my feelings, but now I get what they're saying. You wow. know, Paul in, in 1 Timothy 1.16, he says, you know, and this is my paraphrase, that God had mercy on me, the worst mm. of sinners, so that anybody can look in and say, well, if God can forgive him, wow. then God can forgive me. Wow. You know, so now I take it as like a compliment. Like, yes, you see the work of the Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit in my life. But, you know, Jamel with the forgiveness piece, like, you know, as you read in the book, like he was he was hell bent on, on beating me up when yeah. I was nowhere around. Right. Right. So he was hurting himself thinking he's hurting me and hurting other people too. And, and I'm sleeping good at home, wow. you know? So the reconciliation piece, back to that, you know, you've got the forgiveness, but then you also have on my side is the apology. Like mm -hmm. imagine how much easier it was to walk through forgiveness, even though he had, he had really walked through forgiveness in prison when God said, let it go. Right. That's when his soul started to heal. The energy was no longer about hating me. It was more about what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. Um, but the minute I said, I'm sorry, the minute we say we're sorry to somebody, like how, how much that heals a person. Yeah. Like I've had people like cuss me out. Jamel seen it, you know, cuss me out. You're this, you're that. And I'll just say, you're right. I'm so sorry. And they're like, uh, uh. <laughs> oh, you know, it is like, well, well, that argument's done. Yeah. You know, you admit a kind you were, word turns yeah, away. Right. right. You, you admit you're wow. an idiot. Okay. Well, okay. shoot. Um. Now I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> so, so that's the second piece in the, in the reconciliation is, you know, so you've got one is the apology and one is the forgiveness, but you can have those two apart. Like yep. you said, from yep. reconciliation, just because I apologize to him and just for, because he forgave me, that does not make us reconciled. Right. That makes me forgiven and him uh, walking away feeling Ex better that I apologize. Yeah, yeah, right? He's a little more whole, but you've done your part. Right. And I think that's the important thing. It takes two right. to actually reconcile, that's but it. it takes each of you doing your part. That's it. And mm -hmm. now what reconcile looks like is, I mean, think of how God reconciled us to himself. Yeah. It was through his son stepping out of, uh, out of heaven, out of all the rights he had in heaven. Right. Like, like even think about when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, you know, God, not my will, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And the fact that that means Jesus at some point in his earthly life had a different will did not want than his father yeah. in heaven. Yeah. What in the what is that all yeah. about, right? Yeah. But he stepped into that awkwardness of humanity, mm -hmm. giving up rights. Jamel gives up rights every time. He has the right to be angry at me. Yep. He has the right to punch me in the face as we stand here in the kitchen. Mm. He has the right. Everybody would say, you have the right to do that. Andrew really messed up your life. I'm going to take the left. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know which way it's coming from. <laughs> Get that left hook. <laughs> you know, but, but he puts down that right. Yeah. To, to, to hold on to that hurt and he steps into the awkwardness and then I step into the awkwardness of that guilt and that shame that I feel and Jamel's helped me heal on that. Wow. He's helped me get to the place where you know, very rarely now will I say to him, man, I'm so sorry for what I did to you because I've said it and yeah. he's accepted it. Yeah. But now we, can, now we can get beyond that 
And, and, and I wonder if husbands and wives, if they could get past that, mm-hmm. then the amazing things that they could conquer together. Yeah. And that's what we're hoping with this reconciliation is that now we can talk about things that are going on in our nation right. that, that look like we look. Right. You know, in August of yep. this year, Jamel was pulled over. And, and by the end of that incident, he's sitting in the back of a squad car mm-hmm. having been accused of selling marijuana. Yet they search his vehicle and find our book. Wow. And all of a sudden, all bets are off. And they let him out of the car. They don't apologize, but they all but apologize. Let him go. No ticket because there was no crime. Wow. And, and, and Jamel drives away. They call the tow truck back. Hey, we don't need you anymore. They call the county jail back. Hey, we're not going to bring him in like we said. We, now, this is 11 years after mine and Jamel's wow. interaction. Think of the scab that was ripped off. Absolutely. The open wound that was reopened. 11 years. We're supposed to, we've made so much progress as a people. No, we haven't. Yeah. You know, yeah. because there's communities just like Benton Harbor all over the country. Mm-hmm. There's like, it's like a police state. It's like a military state that you go block to block and you can see people being pulled over, hmm. people being harassed. And just because of the color of their skin and because of where they live and where they live because of where they live. Wow. You know, and, and, and a week later I'm driving and I get pulled over because I was speeding. I <laughs> yeah. really did wrong. Yeah. I needed to be pulled over. I, I wasn't trying to be reckless, Wait, but I was driving. You're a former cop and you speed. I know, right? Dude, I was nervous <laughs> about that on the way over to my house. I was like, I better have the speed limit because Andrew's following <laughs> well, me right now. You kept trying to get me to run red lights. It was like every red light we came to. I was like, man, this dude is pressing me. He's trying to give me a ticket. But yeah, so I get pulled over a week later and the officer comes up. Now, my daughter was in the car in August. Jamel's son was in the car. And he saw this officer treat his father inappropriately. Wow. Yet I have this interaction with this cop where he explains to me what I did. He was very respectful. I was very respectful. He, he explains that, you know, this is what the speed limit was. This is what you were doing. He goes back. He brings me back my ticket. I got mm-hmm. a ticket. Instead of writing me for 15 over, he wrote me for five over, mm-hmm. you know, and explained how to pay the ticket, four different ways I could pay it. Mm-hmm. They don't step in the way of you and your money anymore. <laughs> and, and, uh, and at the end of it, I said, thank you, shook his hand. He walked away and I drove off and it was like five miles down the road. I'm like, you know what? That's white privilege. Mm. That is that is a, an analogy of white privilege of how Jamel got treated yeah. and how I got treated. Mm-hmm. He got essentially stopped for no. They had no legal reason Nothing. to stop him, and by the end of that, he's in the back of a squad car being accused of resisting an arrest right. when there wasn't an arrest. Right. And yet here I am with my daughter, and she never worried that Daddy was going to get pulled out of yeah. the car. She never heard that Daddy was being accused of having marijuana. Yeah. Like none of those things happen. Mm-hmm. You know. And well, you even talk about. In the book, you talk about some of these like tricks of the trade, so to speak, where you would pull cars over that you were suspicious of, you know, because you're trying to make this bust. And it was like a well-known thing throughout the force that, well, if you want to get a car pulled over, this is exactly what you need to do. Here's a trick. Check, you know, seatbelt violation or whatever it is, even though you have no reason whatsoever to pull them over. Yeah. And, and you're right. That's like the, it's like the bigger narrative of this, this smaller story right here that you guys are representing is this idea of reconciliation. It's personal reconciliation. It's race reconciliation. It's this greater conversation that our country has to step into. But the only power to break the chains of all of this tension is this idea of letting it go. Letting right? it go. Of just saying, you know what? I'm going to apologize. I'm going to let it go. We're going to come to reconciliation. We're not going to be in this place where even though we may be different and we don't necessarily understand each other, we're going to seek to understand. Yeah. 
We're going to seek to come to a place. What have you guys, okay, so as you're traveling and you're talking about this kind of stuff, what are, what are some of the biggest barriers that you're finding in trying to have this conversation? Hmm. Now I'm like throwing you under the, I mean, I'm like throwing <laughs> you to the wolves right now, but like, what is, some, I mean, cause this is a big deal. This is, I mean, look at just this year or the past two years, yeah. all of the crazy things that are happening in our country, especially between, you know, black people and cops, yeah. white cops, especially, right? Yeah. All of this stuff that's happening, the Lord, it feels like the Lord has put you guys on a platform for a time hmm. such as this. Amen. What's the barriers that you're, you're running into here? I'm going to say time. Okay. <laughs> Like, because we can, I mean, I definitely can do it, ready to do it, but it's just, we just limited time to yeah. to talk about it. Like in certain, certain like if the church or, or um, certain places we go, it's just, we only have so much time. So much time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, mainstream media too, mm. like... You know why? Not not that we want our story elevated for any other reason than it is relevant right now. Right. This isn't something that happened. We're not talking about things that were problems in the civil rights era, but we got it figured out. Right. And we're trying to rehash it so that we can sell some. No, like this is this is right now. But right. the day our book was published, we were in between like three or four hurricanes. Our president, you know, calling. Uh, uh, other leaders, Rocket Man, like, and yeah. and that's the stuff the media is grabbing a hold of totally. is the quote unquote fun stuff to talk about. You know the the hot button items that get people mm-hmm. talking. Yet here's this conversation that speaks directly to a, a major issue in our country. Right. Uh, so I'd say that's that's a, a big barrier, a big barrier right yeah. there. Another one like police departments. We have asked and asked and asked. Let us come talk. Let mm. us come and and one police department, Arkansas, Little Rock PD. Like shout out to Little Rock. They said yes and they let wow. us in. And that was a hard conversation to have because police officers are stoic by nature, yep. like you're trained, you know, so it's a, it's not a real lively crowd. Yeah. Uh, and Jamel got a few like, hey, you know, sorry that happened to you afterwards. And I just got like walked past and I understand <laughs> it, but it was hard. I yeah. walked out of that speaking engagement like I never want to speak again in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that was just a hard setting. So we're not getting a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of uh, police departments aren't like beating down our door saying, please come talk about the problem. Mm. Because at some level, if we don't talk about it, maybe one day it'll go away mm. is the lie that we believe, <laughs> you know, white evangelical churches. Now there yeah. are some, uh, we were at Resonate Church mm-hmm. today. You know, there are some that are saying, come on in, mm-hmm. let's talk about this. Let's, let's step into the awkwardness. Mm-hmm. But how many mainstream, huge mega church, mm-hmm. white evangelical churches and I don't think they're trying to hide anything. They just don't know how to talk yeah. about it. So I think it's just one of those, it's easier not to talk about it than to say the wrong thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we were at a, a speaking engagement in Ohio mm. and we walk into the hotel and I go up to the, <laughs> and this is for me an analogy about like why white people don't want to talk about race issues Yeah, because it's so uncomfortable. Yeah, I go up and I say, hey, you know, Andrew Collins checking in, blah, blah, blah. The guy says, uh, hey, we need a credit card for, for the room. And I said, yeah, the sponsor usually handles that. Yeah. And, you know, somebody brought us in to speak. And he said, well, I'm not showing anything on the file, but we'll get it figured out. I don't want to hold you up. Gives me my keys. Halfway through our interaction, lady comes out and says, Jamel, can I help you? He starts the process with her. Mm. Um, and she gets to the point, hey, I need a card for uh, incidentals. He says the sponsor usually handles that. And she said, no, sir, I need a card for incidentals. Wow. And he said, I, our sponsor usually handles that. 
I'm, I'm brought in by the same people he's brought in by. Like you came out halfway through the, I thought you heard like, and she said, well, that's why I came out here. Cause you know, that guy shouldn't have given him wow. those keys. So I'm the manager. So I was coming out to rectify that. That shouldn't have happened. And, and Jamel mm. is so intelligent, like so quick witted. He's like, well, that's how he came out here. You didn't handle that. He walked away with his keys. Wow. You came out here to help me and here you are helping me. And now, now I'm the white man. Like, right. Like, you're, you're beelining to your room. No, no, no. I was, I was uncomfortable, <laughs> so I reached across with my credit card and said, just put it on my card. Yeah. Because I just wanted it to go just away. Just let it go away. Just go away. Yeah. And that's what we do as a country is just go, make it go away. Let's toss money at it. Let's, mm. you know, it's easy to give money away. It's hard to give power away. Yep. You know? Yep. And, and, and that's not my quote. I heard it somewhere, but it, it just reminds me of that it was so easy for me to to give the money to away to make it. the problem go Boom. away instead of stepping into that space with my brother and mm. saying, hey, there's an injustice here. Can yeah. we talk about it? You know, wow. And I think that's one of the main problems we have right now in our country is we, we, A, we don't know how to talk about it. Yep. And B, when we do talk about it, it, it gets inflamed quickly mm. And, mm. and we just take the Facebook approach that <laughs> I'm going to slap my opinion on Facebook and if you don't agree with me, I'm deleting you and I'm, I'm blocking you and I never have to hear from you again. There's no reason yeah. to have an honest conversation. Yeah, man. So you guys feel a little bit of resistance even stepping into the church and saying like, let's have an honest conversation. But, but church world where we're Christians supposed to be conduits for reconciliation, right? That's what Second Corinthians tells me <laughs> yeah. is that Christ reconciled us you know, to the Father, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. We're afraid to talk about this. This, there's, It's a big conversation. It's a tough conversation. I'm sure you guys experience this in, in your brotherhood. I mean, there's still a lot of differences between the two of you, mm -hmm. and yet you guys are trying to walk this thing out in a partnership right now, and I'm sure past stuff kind of comes up. How do you guys keep those accounts clear personally and emotionally? How do you guys keep on the same page? How do you keep, you know, because I think this is helpful to the listener where maybe they're working through some reconciliation personally with someone and they need to like figure out how on a daily basis, weekly basis, kind of keep them, you know, keep that, that brotherhood going um, and keep honest conversations happening between the two of you. You just got to keep it simple mm. and you can't revisit the situation. Mm. You know, it's, it's hurt. It's hurtful. Um, like, I don't go back and revisit this situation that happened because it's over with. It's, mm. it's done. God got it. He took care of it. Um, he made it something that I never, ever would have dreamed of mm. ever in my life. Um, so I, I would say that just definitely let, just, man, let God take care of it. Yeah. Let him... Do it. Only thing you can do is don't go back revisiting mm. this situation when you already released it to to God. When you release it to Him, just leave it alone. Don't mm. go back. Don't harbor. Don't. If you're going back, you're going back to educate somebody else how not to get there. Mm. You know that's yeah. it. Yeah, and I look at it. And I'm as the offender. You know, I look in and I say. I'm super sensitive to the fact that I never want to offend Jamel again. Mm. Um, and I can be a super insensitive person mm -hmm. if I'm just not thinking about those things. Why did you say, uh-huh? <laughs> Man, that was quick, bro. Wow. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say something else because the how fast you, you be saying, oh, man, I don't want to. So I will go out of my way when I feel like there's an opportunity that I may offend Jamel. Um, probably 
I probably go overboard. I probably bug Jamel with this stuff, mm-hmm. but I feel like I have to because I want to make sure that there's no foothold for Satan mm-hmm. to, to create a stronghold. So, you know, with our travels and, you know, um, you know, say, say we sell a book for mm-hmm. $20, you know, I'm super sensitive to the fact that that's, that's $10 is Jamel's mm-hmm. like, you know, yep. uh, that's just an easy one to split in half there. But like, I, I want to make sure that Jamel never walks away from something going, is he taking advantage mm-hmm. of me? Yeah. Because I was taking advantage of him the mm-hmm. first time. That's really what I did to Jamel is yeah. he was, he was not a person. He was, he was kind of a pawn. He was a pawn to, your, to mm-hmm. make my career better, right? Yeah, he wasn't. Right. The, I took his humanity away. I stripped him of his humanity when yeah. I did that. So, like, I would say that as as and, and so you take that from a national level, um, and, and we talk about the issues with slavery into civil rights. You know, we Caucasians mm-hmm. have to be in some ways super sensitive without being obnoxious about right. it. How do we be sensitive to say how can we step into these things? How do we make sure we're not still doing these things? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and to create a safe space to have these conversations yeah. instead of just not talking about it anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's the key is just like f- creating that safe space. It takes time to build that equity. You know, it takes time to like build that relationship. But, you know, I love, as I was sitting and talking with you guys um, at, at one point, you guys were talking about even some of the dumb questions that you'll ask each other about, you know, <laughs> the differences between black and white, right. like just like cultural differences, ethnic mm-hmm. differences, you know, why is it that you, why is it that you, yeah. I think those are so great. Those are like small little things, but they're also, it's opening the door for, it's, it's creating a comfortability between the two of you guys to ask some of the harder questions and uh, to make sure accounts are clear and also make sure that you're seeking to understand each other yeah. and understand each other's culture. You know, we do this in church world when we try to, we're like missionaries, everybody tells you go, you know, cross-cultural missions where you're going to go out of the country somewhere, you're going to like understand the culture before you right. ever try to, why can't we do it in our own backyard yeah. where we're just with our neighbors and our friends yeah. and understand each other, you know what I mean? Without any hidden agenda. Yeah. Instead of having us and us and them, we create so many us and them, <sighs> whether it's police or citizen or white and black or you know, whatever that looks like. And, and that's not to downplay that other minorities have mm-hmm. issues too. Like that, that's just the one that's elevated right now is the the black and brown people, you know, but like, what would that look like if we said, if anytime we said, man, they, and we stopped ourselves and said, okay, why do I say they, what is they? Hmm. Okay. Is they black? Okay. Then they, uh, in our area, we have, uh, you know, Benton Harbor, which is 90 something percent black, poverty stricken, drugs, uh, uh, crime, alcoholism, it's crazy. Yeah, a, a, a mile across the bridge, you've got St. Joe, hmm. uh, predominantly Caucasian. Um, I think the median income is 56000 a year, hmm. like homeowners, you know, all the yeah. things, the American dream, if you will. Yep. So I, I've heard a lot, well, if they would just do this, hmm. if they, well, what if we stop making it they, and what if we go across the bridge in, in our situation, yep. and in the analogy, go across the proverbial bridge and hang out with they? Hmm. Spend some time with they, mm-hmm. work in their community, volunteer in their community, yep. and, and, and go in with an open mind that yeah. you might, maybe you might just learn something from them, from wow. they. And then it becomes, it's not they anymore, it's us, yeah. you know? Yep. And, and that's, that's the only way anything changes is when we stop pointing at each other saying they, 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 and we become us. Because it, it's easy to, for somebody to be a monster in your mind. Yep. He, I was a monster in his totally. mind. Totally, and vice versa. I was a monster yeah. in his mind. Wow. And then he got to know me. 
Wow. And what I did was monstrous. It was awful. Totally. But I was a broken human being dealing with some junk. Yeah. You know, and did some awful things. Right. And now we're able mm. to just see each other as a man first. He is a man. He is yeah. my brother. Oh, and by the way, he happens to be black. Yeah. Which is a great privilege for me because then I get to ask him, how do you see this as a black man? Yeah. And actually, how do you, you're like a professional. You're like, you like got a PhD in police corruption. How do you see <laughs> when you hear this news, <laughs> on, you know, when you see this article, how do you see that as, yeah. you know? And he can say to me, you used to, you used to be him. Wow. So as he's telling me the story about the state police who arrested him, well, they didn't arrest him, who illegally yeah. detained him, I'm seeing it through, I know exactly what that officer was. I, I'm not, not exactly, but, but I, I can put myself mm. there. You challenged his authority, mm. and he said, oh, I'm going to show you. Yeah. And the minute you challenged his authority, he decided to exert authority. My, my badge. Yeah. My, I'm staying behind my badge, you know? Wow. So. Well, I think it's, it's so poignant to just that example that you said where you'll have people come talk to each one of you. And some people will come, you know, as you're traveling and speaking, some people will talk to you and they'll say, wow, how did you forgive? You know, and then the same people will come mm -hmm. and talk to you and say, man, I've done some messed up stuff too. And I think that right there is the key to forgiveness is recognizing I'm a conduit of forgiveness right. because I've experienced forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So I've done some messed up things. And God has not held those things over my life. He has forgiven me for those things. While we and were how yet can sinners. I, yes, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So how can I experience forgiveness and not be willing to also extend it? And like the, the convergence of your story right there is, is a powerful imagery of that. Mm. Um, all right, before we, before we kind of close down, if, if we're wrestling with the listener right now, and we do have people that ask that question. Hey, how did you forgive? And then people that would ask you like, say, man, I've done some messed up stuff. How did you get to the place of freedom? Right? What would each of one of, each one of you say? Jamel, why don't you start? If someone's going, I'm really wrestling with bitterness in my heart. How do I come to the place of forgiveness? I hear you, Jamel. I know it's going to release me. I know it's going to set me free. But how do I do this? Got to step into it. <laughs> um, you, got, you just got to do it. You got to... You got to trust first that that God is definitely going to guide you somewhere different. Mm -hmm. He's definitely going to do something different and going to make the situation good mm -hmm. um, when he's done with it. So um, how is you just got to, you, you got to be willing also to do something different. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say be willing to do something different and know that God got it. Mm -hmm. He's going to take care of it. That's great. That's great. Andrew, you got someone standing in front of you saying, I, I've done a bunch of stuff. And what, like, how do I, how do I find freedom from that? Yeah. I mean, uh, man, get into scripture. Read about some of the jacked up, dysfunctional knuckleheads that God <laughs> chooses to carry his gospel through. Mm. You know, like the heroes of the Bible at, at some point in their life had done some really messed up stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what gave me comfort when I was kind of working through this, who I used to be and how do I forgive myself was like, man, if God could use, you know, Jacob and, and David and Moses, I mean, all these people who did really messed up stuff, if he could use them and he wrote his holy word through them, mm -hmm. then who am I to hold myself to a higher standard than Jesus holds me to? Wow. He said, forgiven. It's like when I apologize to Jamel and he, and he leans away from me and says, stop it, it's over. 
uh, why do we hold ourselves to a higher standard than Jesus? Mm-hmm. He says, forgiven. Mm-hmm. Boom, done. He didn't say forgiven, but I need you to do this, 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 and this. That's, yeah. Now that's that's our job now. Right. Now I'm earning my salvation, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, I would say to that person who's done some awful things, A, stop doing it. Mm. Like that's something too that we need to talk about in our reconciliation story is I no longer temporarily remove his freedom from him. Mm-hmm. I no longer accuse him of selling drugs. I no mm-hmm. longer, and I don't have the official power to do that anymore, but I'm not actively doing things to offend him anymore. Right. So just because you want to walk into reconciliation and say, you know, take this on a, a, a mother-daughter level, yeah. mom says these awful things to me, uh, but I forgive her. But mom continues to say these awful yeah. things to me. Okay, you've forgiven her, but there's not reconciliation because yeah. it's not on both sides. Yeah. You know? uh, so I'll say to that person who's really dealing with the, the hurt of being a messed up person, stop doing the stuff. Mm. Like with the, with the love of Christ, with the power of Christ, stop doing it. And then... Stop holding yourself to a to a higher standard. Mm. So I, I want you to comment on this, both of you guys or each whoever wants to. The point of this podcast is to help people find purpose in their pain, mm. right? This whole idea of um, Romans eight twenty eight, God works all things together for the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose, and that He makes all things beautiful in His time. Would you say your story has found purpose? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, definitely in this day and age. Um, for the people that, that do listen or that did read the book or, or getting the book, mm. um, they've all found mm. the purpose. <laughs> they've all found something different um, that convicted them on something that they should be doing different mm. as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I just mm. think about, you know, in Isaiah, God says he will return to us a crown of beauty for our ashes. Mm. And if you really think it's it's beautiful, it's quotable, you put it on, you know, uh, next to your nightstand and all that stuff. <laughs> a coffee mug. A right? coffee mug, yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it, where do ashes come from? Mm. Ashes come from something that used to be, yep. but was destroyed. Wow. And, and God... Uh, now he returns to us beauty for our ashes, but we have to give him the ashes. Wow. We have to submit to him the ashes. And That's then good. he says, here's your crown of beauty. That's so. good. Wow. That's powerful. Okay. So if you're listening to this, you got to get the book. It's called Convicted, right? Convicted. Yeah. An innocent man, a crooked cop, and an unlikely journey to forgiveness and reconciliation. Oh, friendship? I got to read wow. the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm telling you, it, it's fantastic. I read it on two airplane rides um, in, in basically one sitting, and it read so well. It reads, I mean, it kind of reads like a crime novel. Like, I, I knew the story, and yet at the end of every chapter, because it's told from each one of your perspectives, I'm going, I got to find out what happens next. I got to find out what happens next. I think it's just going to be a powerful gift to a lot of people who are struggling with all kinds of hurt and pain, just releasing that and letting the Lord take control of that, letting him have um, lordship over those things. So guys, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been an honor. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us in your studio. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much guys for listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace. feel like I have a lot of next steps to take. Yeah. 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 It's really mm, to hear a story like that 
And to even like begin to dig into your own heart and go, man, there's a lot of junk in my heart and a lot of places that I'm hanging on to bitterness for some small minor offenses. Yeah. Even when um, Andrew spent some time talking about like, um, like racial tensions mm. and he said something like, it's easier to not talk about it wow. than to say the wrong thing. Like that's what we think. It's yep. easier just to not talk about it than to offend somebody by using the wrong word or something like that. And I think oftentimes that's where I lean. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be in that spot. Right. So I think it's really encouraging just to hear um, that reconciliation is possible and that we have a role in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what my role might be, but I'm excited to like figure that out or learn more about what I could do. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it was just such a providential thing to have them come into our church and talk to us Yeah, to have them on the podcast because it's so parallel to our story. You know, there's a race component to our story. Mm -hmm. There's, um, and then people have asked me that question. Like I literally just the other day was asked, um, how do you feel about the fact that these were black men that allegedly killed mm -hmm. your wife? You know, that are on trial for killing her. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a large conversation. And right. I talk about some of that in yeah. the book is kind of having to sort through, you know, even racial prejudice, mm -hmm. um, feelings that I had never felt before until this happened. And, um, you know, but then you also have the forgiveness piece yep. and you have like the reconciliation piece. And we know we've talked about a lot that we feel like God is thrusting us forward into this story of that's like an Elizabeth Elliot type thing. And we're kind of just going, oh, like, I don't, I know where you're taking this, God. I don't know if I want it to go there and I don't yeah. know if I have the courage to step in it. So it was so timely for me personally. So if nobody else benefited from that, me personally, just to sit there with, um, with Jamel and with Andrew and be inspired by the story, to borrow their faith, yeah. and then to ask them questions like, hey, how do I walk through this personally? Right. You know, And I think that everybody's going to benefit so much from the book um, that they wrote, as well as from this podcast, any, any um, platform that they're given to be yeah. able to speak into this stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think one thing I kept thinking about near the end of this podcast episode um, was something that we talked about in counseling. <laughs> so yeah. our entire staff... Um, went to counseling at the beginning of this year, right. correct? Um, maybe it was the summer. It was the summer. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but one thing that our, my counselor kept saying over and over was to use this tool of entrustment. Mm. Um, and so basically like what made me think of that is when um, Jamel was just talking about, hey, when you've like forgiven somebody, you just let it go. Wow. Um, you don't like revisit that. You literally release it. And so... Um, what our counselor talked about with the tool of entrustment, um, she referenced First Peter two twenty one and twenty one through twenty four, hmm. and it's like basically talking about um, when Jesus is getting beaten, um, like he's entrusting all these things to yep. God because this is His will, right, yep. for Jesus's life. Um, and so, paraphrased, right, it says Jesus continued to entrust Himself to the Judge who judges justly. Wow. And so, at the end of the day, knowing that, like, hey, if we're in a season um, where reconciliation might not be possible, um, to, to just pray through that. Um, and entrust that to the judge who judges justly. Wow. And that's God. Um, so I don't know. It's hard yeah. to be open-handed, but I think um, that's something that I've been working on. It's yep. just entrusting hard things to yep. the Lord. Yeah, and what's really cool too is like, I love hearing them talk about some of the inner city stuff that they're doing there in Benton Harbor mm -hmm. and like what they were a part of that kind of brought them into this brotherhood. Yeah. Because that's parallel again with things that we're doing with our inner city, you yep. know, with our four indie efforts. And, um, you know, maybe the listener doesn't know, we're doing a lot of stuff to step into a section of our inner city to intercept kids before they step into a life of crime, drug-related activity, mm -hmm. because we want to prevent 
event and, um, you know, again, intercept this, the kind of thing that happened to us and the kinds of things that we're hearing of other people's stories from happening to anybody else. We want to bring the gospel to these really troubled areas. And uh, so God's led us to one specifically. And, you know, I was just thinking about this. If you want updates on that, like if you want to be a part of it, you want to help out in some way, maybe you're in the Indianapolis area, you want to be a part of some of our four indie efforts, or if you want to like maybe financially help out, Mm -hmm. if you're across the country, but you love just the idea of what we're doing in our inner city to intercept kids, um, and, and to mentor them, uh, or if you just want to know about it and have updates on it, yep. email us hello at davyblackburn.com. Um, and, and you can also, you can also email us for any other questions that you may have. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love hearing your comments, your prayer requests. We'd love to help pray for you, help you in any way and serve you in any way that we can. Yeah, definitely. Um, we would love it also. Um, if you guys could rate and review and share this podcast, um, we, we say it every episode and we'll say it again because we're really excited about it. But the more that you rate and review this, um, the more that it's accessible to other people. Yeah. Um, and those could be your friends, whether that's like you tweeting this episode at them, um, or if it's just someone random because they see this podcast pop up higher in their feed. Um, regardless, we'd love it. If this podcast is impacting you, if it's helping you, um, even if it's just like, you're excited to hear the next episode that comes out. Um, Please, please, please rate and review it so that we can get this in more people's hands. Um, We hope that you guys have found purpose in your pain Mm -hmm. um, or you're working towards that. And so we want to help other people do that as well. Like the end of this podcast episode, right? You asked them, hey, have you found purpose in your pain? And they said yes. And that is our hope um, that we can help you find that. So again, the more you rate and review, the more people um, we can help with that. Um, But this Uh, podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Yeah. And thank you, thank you, thank you, Sleeping at Last. Yeah, thanks. For providing all the music (laughs) for this. You've definitely got to go download his music. So good. Stream it. Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. Get it. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's it for this episode of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, we love having you join us over the airwaves. Hope in your headphones. And um, join us again next time for the next episode of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. While you're waiting for that, listen to this clip. So in 2011, after we won the 500, a few months after that, uh, I was in the hospital for six weeks with double vision. So greatest success in my career to one of the biggest lows being out of the race car for a medical reason, not just because you know, I lost my ride. It was because I couldn't do it. I couldn't see. Um, I woke up on a Monday morning, double vision. And, uh, you know, one of my friends was living with me at the time and I walked in and I was like, man, am I cross-eyed? Like what's going on? Went back to sleep, woke up, still the same thing. And, uh, so I ended up in the Mayo Clinic getting all these tests run and, uh, I had a tick bite on my arm. They thought it might be Lyme's disease. And they started thinking maybe MS and, uh, 2013, they, they just kind of wanted to say something yeah, about it. So yeah. they said it was MS. Uh, we're still really uncertain on yeah. the exact diagnosis, but I feel like that's how God's worked in my life right. to keep me dependent. Um, I feel like he's the one sustaining my body. It's not wow. a treatment or a thing. I, I haven't taken any treatments just out of conviction, really. In the beginning, they were like, hey, we want you to take this shot every day. And something about that, I'm not saying all medication mm. is bad or nobody should do that, but to me, I felt really sure that the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, just trust me. Wow. And so I haven't taken any medication and he sustained my body every day for the last six years yeah. with no symptoms, no anything. So it really is mysterious, kind of weird, but 
um, during that time, I just remember thinking, um, man, six months ago, I was praising the Lord for a victory. Mm -hmm. And there were people out there saying, well, that's easy to do when you've just won the biggest race yeah, there is. Right. How about now? Ooh, you know, who, wow. who is Trevor going to be in the hospital? Who am I going to praise? Like, he's still the same God, and this is still for his glory. So wow. taking those times, um, you know, and James 1, I'm sure everybody's heard it, but it, consider it pure joy when you mm -hmm. face trials of many kinds. Um, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. That's kind of a Cliff Notes version. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to remember every word, That's but right. sometimes I'm not pretty great good. <laughs> scripture memory. But, um, you know, how do we spend time in those trials and not try to get out of them? How do yeah. we not try to escape it, but be near to the Lord and trust Him through that and figure out what does He mean, pure joy? Wow. And, and how could I consider that pure joy? Well, this doesn't seem fun. This doesn't seem joyful, but... Yeah what I experienced was nearness to him and that's where our joy comes from. Wow. And so just trying to be there, trusting him, you know, I always thought I'd be back in the race car, but now looking at it from a four year older perspective and what yeah. I've learned, if I wasn't in the race car again, it would have still been what's best for me um, because I would have been close to him. 